Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I want to take you this morning to a passage of Scripture, which is found in John chapter 16. And in John chapter 16, Jesus is making a great statement. And these two verses I'm going to make reference of, Jesus is testifying to something that is as relevant today as it's always been. And in John chapter 16, verse 32, Jesus said, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own home. Will leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Now, verse 33, these things, these things in the end times, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I want to note again, he says, listen, I've talked to you about these things. In me, you will have peace, but in the world, you will have tribulation. But cheer up, I've overcome the world. Well, we are supposed to be starting a season of uh, spring training and sports and uh, football in a couple of months is supposed to start up. Uh, we should be well into soccer. We should be well into baseball by now, and uh, even golf. Um, now, golf, I've, I've wondered. Social distancing. I mean, they do that anyway in golf, don't they? I mean, nobody hangs out with each other. They just chase the ball around the golf course. Uh, you know it, You know why uh, golfers are to take two trousers with them when they play golf in case they have a hole in one? You know, this is a good time where I can't actually see you because I don't see your rolling eyes. But baseball is my sport. Uh, I particularly like baseball. I like the major leagues. I follow it. This is supposed to be the Blue, G's, Blue Jays year. Uh, they brought in a great pitcher, and he's going to pitch them out of trouble. Their rookies are less rookies this year and supposedly maturing and, and are smarter behind the plate and all that kind of stuff. This is supposed to be a year, yeah, let's, let's go Blue Jays. Well, something about baseball that I, I'm using that as the analogy for our series here, which is called uh, When Life Throws You a Curveball. Because in baseball, whether you start with t-ball or you start with uh, softball, three-pitch, whatever it might be, if you get into more competitive baseball, you get into some serious pitching. And in the serious pitching, uh, the pitcher just doesn't throw you what you want. Have you noticed that? They throw you usually what you don't want and they try to catch you unexpected. So if a pitcher, they might be a great fastball pitcher. They can just drive it down. It's really fast. Uh, but if you know they're throwing a fastball, you just choke up a bit on the bat, and, and all you have to do is make contact, and the likelihood of it going over the fence is pretty high. No, a good pitcher will change it up. They will throw a slider, a curveball, a knuckleball, uh, a fastball. They, they will change it up. And the thing is, if they're a good pitcher, they not only will change it up, but when they release the ball, you'll have no idea what's coming off the mound because they release every pitch identical. So you can't foresee what's coming at you. And by the time you figure out what the ball's doing, well, it's too late. It's already zinged past you. Well, uh, in baseball, the, the, the curveball is, is actually picked up and, 
And the ball here is, uh, when the pitcher releases the curveball, the, what they do is, is when they throw that, they throw it hard with a diagonal thrust to the ball. So if you're right-handed, the batter will see the ball curving to the left. And if you're left-handed, the batter will see the ball curving to the right. Now, of course, you don't know what it's about to do until it's too late. The ball curves as it just approaches the mound. Curveballs in life, uh, just as curveballs in baseball are very difficult to hit. And they can frustrate you and make you just want to throw up your hands and say, I quit. I can't hit it. It's too hard. There's no point. What's the use? Curveballs in life do the same thing. I mean, when we think about it, curveballs when it comes to uh, retirement right now, if you're approaching maybe retirement years or in your retirement years and you put some money into the mutual in order to help you and now the stock market's gone nuts and you're just thinking, curveball, what do I do in life when it throws me a curveball? Or it could be in your marriage and it's going sideways. Or maybe with your son or daughter where you've had a great relationship and you've invested so much into their maturing, but now curveball, they won't even talk to you. It could be in regarding to your nest egg, just trying to get on top of your finances, purchasing a home, some of the basics in life, or it could be sickness. And uh, again, Steve, appreciate you and Heather joining us today and, and just sharing a little bit about your story and your ongoing saga, sickness. And, and that's like, it just never stops. It continues to keep coming the curveballs in life. You got a good thing going, but those curveballs can throw you off. Situations that throw you off. Really, it's the unexpected problem, a surpassing or surprising obstacle, a twist in the way you thought things were going to happen. Curveball. And that's when Jesus said, in this world, expect to experience tribulation and difficulties. Uh, he didn't say, you know, you might experience it. He said, expect, you will have tribulations. He means the word tribulation, pressure, anguish, persecution, trouble. He said, expect it. It's going to happen. It's going to keep happening. Curveballs are going to continue to come in. So expect it. But be of good cheer because he has overcome every obstacle. And we in him are overcomers. Amen? So I, what I thought I would do, I, I, when I was thinking about when life throws you a curveball, I was thinking about, okay, uh, what better person to testify in the New Testament to curveballs than the Apostle Paul? Uh, here the Apostle Paul just, you know, the powerful conversion on the road to Damascus, and then God, I mean, his whole start really wasn't a shiny start. God says, by the way, you're going to be persecuted all your life, but I hope you just stay with it, Paul, you know, be of good cheer. And sure enough, I mean, he went, he was starting churches, he was ministering to the saints, he was lied about, even the church would reject him at times. Uh, he would experience over and over the difficulties of serving and being a follower of Jesus. And then finally, he's arrested, you get about chapter 23 in the book of Acts, and he's arrested and he goes before this person and that person, the religious people and the regional officials, and nobody really wants him. But in the whole process, he testifies of Jesus, testifies of Jesus. Then you get to chapter 27, Acts 27. 
And that's really, and, and here's the interesting part. I was looking at it, I was reading it again this morning. And in Acts chapter 27, the entire chapter is around this tribulation. The whole chapter. I mean, the acts of the apostles, the acts of the early church, the acts of the Holy Spirit, and they spend an entire chapter of 28 chapters around this storm. But not only that, but you go into the last chapter, chapter 28, and they spend another 10 verses finishing off the story of the storm. 54 verses, if my, my count is right, 54 verses, where it's talking about this tribulation. So I, it makes me want to sit up, and I'm thinking, okay, this is filled with a whole bunch of curveballs, a whole bunch of, you didn't expect it, and what am I to do? And I want to share four things because I'm going to share what the apostle, the great apostle Paul, how he navigated through these tribulations because that's how I believe God wants me to navigate and God wants you to navigate through these. So the first thing, in, if you were to, in the book of Acts chapter 27, and again, you can read the whole thing. I'm not going to take the time. It would use up all my time this morning. But I'm going to jump right into what did the apostle learn to do in the times of tribulation and storm? Now, his was a storm. I mean, it was a literal storm. They were uh, going to take him over to Rome. He had, a, he had uh, asked to see Caesar. And so they put him on this big cargo ship. There's almost 300 sailors on there with him, full of cargo. And they strike out. And then they hit storm upon storm upon storm, and they're, they're tossed to and fro. Eventually, they make it to a place called Fair Havens. They hunker down there for a while, get back on the ship. Paul says, I don't think this is a good idea, but they do anyway. Who's listening to the prisoner? And so they get on the ship. They start out. They get caught in this big storm. They're about to lose their lives. They think maybe if we drop down our lifeboats, we can, we, the lifeboats, will, you know, the ship's going to go down, but the lifeboats will make it to shore. Really, that's not great logic, but I guess if you're in the storm and, and you're throwing up all the time, I guess that maybe sounds okay. So they were going to do it, and Paul says, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You're going to get lost. You're going to die if you do that. And then they dump all the cargo. I mean, the whole purpose of their trip was the cargo, and so they dump it all overboard, and it goes to the bottom of the Mediterranean, and then uh, they're, they're afraid for their own life, and so they're wondering, should we jump overboard? Ah, no, here's a better idea. Let's throw the prisoners overboard first. And so it really got quite turbulent. And we pick up what Paul did in this time of tribulation. When he was thrown a curveball, we read of verse 23. He testifies, he says, For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. This angel of God. Uh, Paul, and here's my first point, when life throws you a curveball, get into the presence of the Lord. Even though he's in a storm, the ship's being tossed to and fro, you get this picture, he still stays before his Lord. As a matter of fact, not just in this attitude, but he purposes to find a place with God. Because it's here, he says, it stood, for there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I serve, in this place of pursuing God, getting into his presence, God had, gave him a visitation. When life gets crazy and things come unglued, it's really easy when our routine is changed to get out of his presence. Maybe you were never in his presence particularly, but at times like this, to particularly pursue things that are non-profitable. <laughs> you know, I discovered that when I went into isolation because I enjoy being around people. I enjoy meetings and connections and 
all of a sudden I couldn't do it. And all of a sudden my whole schedule got turned up. And I, I'm a person who likes schedules. I like to know kind of what's happening next. And I discovered that in the changes of schedule, it became difficult for me to write myself back into getting into the word of God. I mean, in a, in a deeper way. Can I encourage you? That, that's a big one. That if you're home more often, you might need to find a room. When the kids go to bed, get up a little earlier. Uh, you might have to be more creative. If you're in the healthcare and you are working 12-hour shifts, it's going to be more challenging. But you, all the more so, you got to get in to the presence of God and get into his word. Can I encourage you? Uh, pick up your study Bible. If you don't have a study Bible, you can get it. Go online, Amazon, or on Christian book distributors and get a full-life study Bible or a spirit-filled study Bible, New International Version, a version that doesn't have a bunch of yees and thous and, and all the words that you really don't understand. But get into his presence through the word. Get into his presence through worship. Uh, probably don't need to say that. You're going, aha, uh -huh, I know that. But in storms we can very easily get out of his presence. And Paul had an encounter with God. He had an angelic visitation because he chose to get into the presence. Well, not only that, but we go to verse 22, and Paul says, the scripture here says, but now I urge you, he's, he's speaking to the sailors on the ship. They're in the middle of a storm. He says, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Now, when you think about this, and this is my second point, not only you got to get into God's presence when, in, when life throws you a curveball, but Paul refused to be bitter, but chose to be an encouragement instead. He's not on a ship full of Sunday school children. He's on the ship full of seasoned, hardened sailors. You've heard the expression, they curse like a sailor. And I imagine there was some, you know, language going on and attitude going on. And we know that because they were ready to throw him overboard along with the cargo and everything else. And God had spoken to Paul and said, Paul, listen, I, 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 want, I, I want you to be saved. And so you need to take courage. You need to, you need to give encouragement. And I'll, I'll admit, when, when God's spoke to Paul and said, Paul, I want you and the people in the ship to be saved. If it were me, knowing that they wanted to take my life and they had, you know, handcuffed me as a prisoner and, and I was not free, I might have been tempted to say, hey, guys, you know, I really think the best plan here is for you to get into those lifeboats and see if you can make it to shore. I'll look after the ship. I'll go down with the ship, but you maybe should go to shore. I might have been tempted. Prayerfully, I wouldn't have done it. But I might have been tempted to say, why don't you leave the boat? But God didn't want that. As a matter of fact, uh, the angel was saying, I want not only you, Paul, to be saved, I want the people sailing with you to be saved. Allow me just to crack your minds here a little bit this morning. God has given you those who are sailing with you. God has given you those who are sailing with you. The people around you, you're to save as well. It's not enough for you to go to heaven. It's not enough for you to be saved. No, he wants those around you. Yes, the hardened sailors. And that's going to include, you know, people that uh, might be a little difficult, it might be in-laws, it might be parents, kids, uh, step-parents, um, neighbors, employers. God wants those 
sailing with you to join you in what God is doing for your life. Uh, we need to compel them to trust in God's word and not just become poor little me in our time of they're throwing me a curveball. And it would be easy in a team when you continue to strike out to say, oh, fooey with this, but it's not about you. It's about your team. You've got a bunch of other teammates who depend on you staying with it and doing it for the team. Can I encourage you? You need to do it for the team. And so my second point is Paul refused to be bitter, but chose to be an encouragement instead. And then thirdly, actually, I go back to chapter 23. And in chapter 23, verse 11, Paul had earlier been given this revelation. In verse 11 of 23, it says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Brings me to my third point, which is this. You have a destiny. Paul, you've got a destiny. And God spoke this long before the storm. God spoke this to Paul saying, Paul, you're going to make it to Rome. I've got a plan and a purpose. You're going to make it to Rome. You've got a destiny. We need to know that in the midst of when life is throwing us curveballs, God's got a greater destiny than that curveball moment. I, I remember I was talking to a, a member of our congregation who played professional sports years ago. And he was making mention that in professional sports, you, you're valuable. Uh, there's a price tag. Somebody's paid money for you. And so you can't just go to these high-risk other sports just for the fun of it. You've got to look after yourself. If you're a pitcher, you've got to look after your arm. Uh, whatever it is, you've got to look after your body because you have a destiny. I remember a few years ago, I had some dirt bikes with the kids, and we lived out in, in the woods, near the woods. And, and uh, I've, I had a missionary friend of mine visiting with us and staying with us. And so I fired up the dirt bikes, and I said, hey, let's go into the bush. We'll have the time of our life. We're just going to go crazy. And he says, no, I'm not going. And, you know, and I was like, ah, chicken, you know, and I was doing the whole man thing with him. He says, no, I, no, I can't go. And I go, okay, why, why can't you go? And he says, because uh, what I do is too valuable to risk it out there. And at first I thought he was just being a chicken. But then I began to think through this and realize, well, he's a missionary. God has called him to go to people who otherwise would not have the good news of Jesus taken to them and to help them. And he's not about to risk it on this because he has a greater destiny. I thought, and I had a huge lesson that day. And the lesson is all of us. It's not that maybe don't take some risks and have some fun, but the lesson is we have destiny. It's a great destiny. It's a destiny given by God. And that destiny, it, it, you know, life might terrify us and the curveballs might terrify us and life might seem overwhelming at times, but not lose sight that God has a destiny for you. So fulfill his destiny. Paul knew this storm's not going to take him down. This curveball's not taking him out. He is going to overcome because God's the one who gave him his destiny. So we've just get into the presence of the Lord, refuse to be bitter, but be an encouragement to those around you. You have a destiny. And the last one, I want to close with this one. Don't quit. Yeah, you heard me right. Don't quit. It is so easy when you keep striking out to throw the bat down, stick out your bottom lip and march off the mound and saying, I quit. You don't need me. I'm a hindrance. I'm a liability. And quit. Don't quit. You know, little leaguers quit. Professional players, 
don't quit. The Apostle Paul, I mean, you think of all the things that happened to him. I mean, the story in chapter 27 and the first part of chapter 28, they finally do get shipwrecked. They all make it to land. Everybody's life is saved. They're freezing. They've been out in the wet, the cold for, for weeks. So Paul builds a nice fire and he's warming up. I mean, you think things are turning. And then this viper comes out and latches onto his hand and, and he you know, should have been dead within minutes. You kind of think like, really? Like when do the curveballs stop? Do they ever stop? It's when they keep coming and keep coming and keep coming, we want to quit. Don't quit. Paul threw it off. It says in verse 5, 28, verse 5, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. End of story. And then he went on to do great and wonderful things for the kingdom. Paul would write at another time in Romans 8, 28, where he says, all things work together for good to them that love God. All things. Doesn't mean you're not going to get curveballs. Doesn't mean you're going to strike out. You're not going to strike out. But it means you keep, keep coming back. You keep coming back. You know, the thing different about life than baseball, baseball is finished in nine innings. But life, it's not over until it's over. You keep coming back. I mean, think about this week is Passion Week. In a few days, we commemorate where Jesus went to the cross and he was falsely tried and he was beaten and stripped. His beard was pulled and he was slapped and spit on, a crown of thorns. He was placed on that old rugged cross and he was nailed as a public spectacle, scorned by everyone. And he died. And people quit. They went back to their old jobs. The disciples got the boats out and got the tackle all cleared off and got ready to go back to what was life. But we know the, the story. For three days later, he rose again. He overcame death. And the story for us is we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. Don't quit. Whatever you're facing, don't quit. Rise up. The devil wants to knock you down. The devil is persistent. He is, good. He is counting on you quitting. He's counting on you quitting. He's counting on you being discouraged or whatever it might be. Sickness, finances, relationships, your own issues going on to, to back down. But you've got to keep doing it. You've got to keep going back to the plate. You know, it's, it's, we all like a good fastball coming in. They're fairly easy to hit over the fence. But you know, you can hit curveballs over the fence too. If you just keep swinging, you're going to hit it. And when you hit it, you're the hero of the moment. The thing is, when it comes to kingdom business, you are overcomers in Christ Jesus. I just, again, want to reiterate those things that maybe we just need to hear this morning. Get in the presence of the Lord. Refuse to be bitter. Be an encouragement to the sailors around you. God has a destiny for you. Don't quit. Whatever you do, don't quit. Stay at the game. It's not over till it's over. Let God take you through. So I just want to bring you to that point. Today, let today be your day. May today you be delivered from fear of not being able to handle the unexpected. May today you be delivered from your failures, not feeling that you can accomplish and succeed. May today you rise up and squarely face the things that God has planned for your life. This is not a motivational message. This is a message based on if God is for us, seriously, who can be against us? 
we are on a winning team. Curveballs will come your way. I want to close with the scripture we started with. John 16, 33. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want to pray with you before we transition. And uh, there are those watching, you are just saying, yes, that's, you know, I just, that affirms what God has been saying to me. And you just, you just say yes to that. Maybe there are those watching here today or listening on podcasts later, and you maybe have walked away from God. You've tuned in for different reasons, or maybe you've never had a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I invite you? Don't put it off for another moment. Embrace him, not just because of the season we're in. This season will come, this season will go. But Christ, our relationship remains for eternity. Not just in this world, but for eternity. And just would you open your heart, ask God to forgive you. He desires to forgive you of your sin. And then pursue him with all your heart. Get into the praise, get into the presence of the Lord. Get around the family of God. Join with believers and grow together. Can I pray with you? So, Father, we just take this moment here to worship you, to exalt you, to lift up your name. And, Lord, I pray that as we do, that there would be a rejoicing as we are overcomers in all things. This world is filled with tribulations. I pray for men and women, for teenagers and children who are listening. I pray for Cornerstone family and our family that is listening around the world, that God, we put our trust in you. And so, Lord, I pray that if, if we just need to make that prayer, we make that prayer and we call on your name for you are good and you are faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.